What is going on? This is the Philly Experience Podcast, a special edition for this week. Max and I are going to run through the two most important Philly teams at the moment, the Sixers and the Phillies. And right now, the Phillies. Let's hope the Sixers don't kind of catch what the Phillies are going through right now, losing to the Marlins recently, a three and four record right now. They did win their series, their opening series against the A's. They lost the series to the Mets, and they lose game one of four against the Marlins. Max, why are the Marlins always the Phillies kryptonite? It's a struggle every time we play them. I don't know why, man, but I will tell you this. Yesterday, the Phillies played pretty well. Four, three, they lost, but the bullpen hasn't really been the issue that we expected, right? It's been the hitting. You know, Schwarber's struggling at the top of the lineup. He just can't get anything going. He had the double to start the game against the Marlins yesterday, but since then, uh, after after that first at bat, I mean, he just struggled. Couldn't get anything going. Grounded into a double play late in the ball game, which really hurt the Phillies' chances of coming back. But up and down the lineup right now, there's guys that are just not producing. You have Segura already banged up. Castiano's still trying to find his footing. He's been on and off these first couple of games, and you know we talked about it. Uh, it's only seven games through right now in this season, but overall, still wanting this team and expecting this team to be able to get over the hump this year and really put some runs on the board. That game against the Mets on Wednesday at CBP during the day, uh, Pete Alonso just crushed the Phillies. And, you know, minus a couple of bullpen mistakes with Connor Brogdon, Damon Jones, those, those guys both got sent down uh, after their, you know, lackluster performances earlier on this week. So for good reason. But, you know, you got guys like Brad Hand, Corey Knable, Jerry's Familia. I mean, those guys have been solid. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado. I mean, there's like four, five, six, seven guys that are actually been pretty sturdy in the back end of the bullpen when needed. So, you can't really point to one individual and say, hey, he's the problem, because normally for the Phillies, if there's an individual in that bullpen that struggled, it's always been like that eighth, ninth, or tenth guy in the bullpen. So not someone you really expect a lot out of. Yeah, early in the season, as you mentioned, I mean, it's hard to really find a trend this early. And we talk about Castellanos, who you can see the potential and the kind of production he will bring to this team. It's with Schwarber, Harper, um, Real Muto, Gregorius, I mean, this team should be so much better um, producing runs and losing uh, by one run to the Marlins. It doesn't, it seems like it doesn't even matter who plays on the Marlins every season. They seem to get that upper hand. Um, but for you, Max, looking at this team, is there a move that sort of you highlight right now that the Phillies should have made or should not have made in the offseason? Yeah, that's a good question. I think overall right now we talk about the three main pieces that the Phillies were able to acquire with Cassianos, Knable, the back end of the bullpen, and Schwarber. All three of those guys you expect to continue to produce at a high level as the season goes on. So you can't make any rash decisions right now. I think when you look at this team and how Girardi's really rolling out this lineup, each and every day there's a new guy at that designated hitter spot. Normally you see Schwarber or Cassianos has the DH. Cassianos has DH the most in these first seven games so far this season or six games. But uh, or seven games, excuse me. But overall, I mean, if you look at Castellanos, I mean, the guy you mentioned it, he's a guy who's you expect in the middle of the lineup to hit the ball out of the ballpark. He's hitting 296 on the year with a 556 slug. So he's had in the, in the limited at bats a pretty solid, productive year. But Schwarber, on the other hand, he's got 27 at bats and 10 strikeouts at the leadoff spot. I mean, that's kind of where you need to get the ball rolling with this offense. And Schwarber hasn't really been able to do that so far at a high level. So I think that's where the Phillies are really lacking. When they have runners in scoring position, they just haven't had the right man up at the right time to really drive those runs in. And you saw what happened last night. Brightson Stott comes up, runners in scoring position, one out in the fourth inning, and he pops up to third base. And D 
D.D. can't advance home, no sack fly, and just like that, there's two outs, and the rally's pretty much killed at that point. So I think you just got to let this team get their footing under them. Uh, the rotation, uh, it is what it is. Wheeler, trying to, again, another guy's trying to get his footing under him. Gibson didn't have his best game against the Marlins, but struck out 10 in that Oakland game uh, during the opening series. So I think frustration is starting to settle in because we expect this team to you know be 5-2 and two at this point, and they're 3-4. and four. But uh, there's still a long road ahead. But the Marlins, you're right. This is a team that, for whatever reason, causes the Phillies problems. The good news is only a 4-3 victory for Miami last night. It wasn't one of those blowout kind of deals. Exactly. And, Max, we have to talk about Aaron Nola. Um, not the Aaron Nola we've seen what going four years ago with that two ERA and now a six, uh, 75 ERA. I mean, is this – in the danger zone right now for Aaron Nola. Can he get back to who he was years ago? Or is this now who the new Aaron Nola is? I think it's who the new Aaron Nola is, unfortunately. You know, I think that velocity, which we've seen in the early years of his career, <clears throat> excuse me, 94 miles an hour, sometimes 95 miles an hour, it's dropped down to 92 miles an hour on the two-seam fastball. I think also the home run ball has just been a constant, you know, thorn in his side. Gave up two of them in his most recent start there, trying to outdoor um, Max Scherzer it was on Wednesday, even in that first start, too. Got the W, but when you talk about big picture, still gave up a home run or two in that game as well. So that's killed him. And when you talk about his skill set, obviously he's not going to overpower you with his velocity. It's always that off-speed stuff, the curveballs, the sliders, and things like that. But he's leaving those balls up in the zone, and they're starting to get hammered. So I think if you look back to 2019, I got a quick stat for you. Uh, 4.13 ERA for Aaron Ola dating back to 2019. So it's not a small sample size here. This is kind of who he's been over an extended period of time now for the last, you know, two plus seasons. And if he expected to change at this point, I, I just, I don't see where you can point to and say, Hey, look on the bright side of things. I guess the strikeouts are still there, but he's just leaving balls in a danger zone and guys aren't missing. So I think he's more of a three in this rotation. And that's going to mean Zach Eflin, Ranger Suarez, and Kyle Gibson are going to have to step up if this team and their rotation is going to be able to have, be a strong suit for them moving forward. Definitely. And I don't know if you agree with me on this one, Max, but it seems like this entire offseason and when the season began, it's almost as if the Phillies, the focus was obviously on the players, but last season and the season before that, it was on coaching with, you know, Kaffler and now Joe Girardi. I feel like we haven't really been talking a lot about Joe Girardi. Do you think that's a good thing to not be talking about Joe Girardi? Or do you think there's something that he needs to do to prove himself still to this fan base? I still obviously has much more to prove here in Philadelphia. That's one of the reasons why he didn't get re-signed uh, to a contract in the offseason. You know, he's got to have a prove-it year this year. And I think the reason that he's not getting a lot of heat is because if you look at the lineup, you expect this team to hit. And the fact that they're not, I think everybody in this lineup is kind of where you expect them to be, too. You know, we talked about it. Schwarber, last season with the Nationals, of course, in the Red Sox, he hit leadoff. So people, you know, who may not might not watch a lot of baseball come in here and say, hey, Schwarber, he's a power guy. He should be hitting cleanup. He should be hitting third or fifth. But if you watch baseball like I know you do, you know Schwarber, he's got a lot of experience in that leadoff spot the last year or two. So that's why he's kind of at the top of the lineup. All of spring training, he hit in the leadoff spot as well. Um, so if you're really looking for Girardi to make moves as far as the lineup goes, I don't know what else – you can really do to try to jumpstart this team with only seven games played. JT in that two spot, I love it. And then Harper at the three, Cassianos at the four, you go a little left, right, left, right. 
uh, with, with those four at the top. And Hoskins, he really seems to be finding his footing. I know he's only hitting 238, but he's still getting on base, had a clutch hit uh, against the Mets in that opening series uh, a few nights ago uh, to lead the Phillies to that late-inning comeback. But I will say overall, him in the five spot, I love it. You know, D.D., He's hot and cold. I didn't want him back this year, but you're kind of stuck with that contract that he's got, unfortunately. And, you know, Stott, he's giving you what he can. He's a rookie. Uh, but, again, overall, you have to be pretty impressed with what you've seen so far. Not a guy who's really rolled over and, you know, going hitless like Matt Veerling, but that's a whole other topic. Yeah, definitely. And thank goodness that Schwarber let off the Phillies at bat with the home run in that first game because there would be a ton more doomsayers calling out his name right now yeah. but wrapping up that phillies talk tonight at 6 40 in miami the yeah. phillies are gonna hope to change the tides and you know beat this marlins team yeah. they have to win the series max they have to yeah moving over to the sixers against the raptors game one tomorrow 6 p.m eastern standard time for away games no matisse thibel max get right into it how will this affect the team Oh, it's going to affect them at a high level because you have the Raptors, you know, Siakam, Van Fleet. They got perimeter guys that are dangerous from the three-point line. And also, as a whole, they really don't have that true center. But Nick Nurse is going to coach circles around Doc Rivers. I mean, he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. We heard the rumor that he might be going to the Lakers, possibly Doc Rivers and Nick Nurse. That rumor has been tied out west. So we'll see what happens there in the offseason. But for right now, the Raptors have a team that's dangerous. Uh, especially with them being a lower seed. They're not that top-notch, high-powered team that we talked about in previous years, especially when they went on that run for the championship. But with them being a five seed and only two, three games less of wins, I should say, uh, during the season, people think about Toronto. They say, hey, Sixers really dominated this year. They're a four seed, but, I mean, they've racked up 50-plus wins. Well, Toronto's right there with 48. So it's not like they had a rollover season either. They're a dangerous team, and they have a team that's capable of trapping Joel Embiid when he gets into the post and athletic enough to keep pace offensively. You know, you talk about a team with Scotty Barnes, first-round draft pick a season ago for Toronto. That guy's legit, man. I mean, 6'9", he can handle the basketball. Not a great shooter, but he can score when need be. His, you know, calling card is on the defensive end, and Toronto is just a great defensive team. And when they need to score, they got two guys that can handle the ball well and, and shoot the three. And that's Siakam in the low post and also high post. And then, of course, you have Van Fleet, who can kind of do it all from a guard position. So it's going to be a tall task. And listen, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Sixers lose this series. They just don't have that mojo right now, which I especially with James Harden. I don't know what the hell is going on with Harden. Um, I know you're still trying to be optimistic with this team, and I want to be optimistic too. But I think from what we've seen Nick Nurse do to Joel Embiid in the past, I mean, a couple of years ago, this guy held Joel Embiid to zero points in the game. You know, so it's it's don't expect Joel Embiid. And, and again, I could get laughed at because Embiid could just come out with a different mentality than what we've seen and drop 42 points, but. The way Nick Nurse coaches, and I know he's going to come out with a great game plan, you can't expect Joel Embiid to give you like 40, 50-point games uh, every single night against this team for seven games. I mean, it's just really, really hard against a great Toronto team, especially without Thibel. Yeah, and uh, going talking about the game and leading up to the series, Van Fleet was talking about how Embiid's game has morphed since that playoff matchup they had with the infamous wise shot. Um but he's morphed into a Kobe-esque, Jordan-esque combination, I believe uh, Fred was saying. But, Max, adding on to just the negatives going into the series, the Sixers have lost three of four against the Raptors. Their last win, December 28th, 2021, <laughs> against the, yeah. the, the Raptors. 
And I still think the Sixers are going to win this series. It will be hard considering the amount of scores they have. And not to mention Scotty Barnes, who some are calling rookie of the year too. You combine that with uh, without a the Sixers, one of the Sixers' best defensive players, it's going to be a tough battle. But I agree. I think going for the Sixers is that home court advantage. If it goes into seven games, it will be in Philadelphia. Matisse Thybul, hopefully, will be playing. Um, and it's it, it's going to be it's going to be a series that's going to be closer than it should have been. Uh, we talk about the Sixers earlier in the season, even without James Harden, we would not have been talking about how close of a se- of a series this playoff, even though the Raptors have had the upper hand in that re- in the regular season matchup. But Raptors have a great team. I mean, you talk about five yeah. guys averaging double figures. Pascal Siakam, 22 points per game. Van Fleet, 20 points per game. Gary Trent, 18 points per game. OG Ananobi, 17 points per game. Scotty Barnes, 15 points per game. Uh, I mean, these guys are dangerous. Five starters, all of them averaging 15 or more points. So when you talk about what the Sixers need to do on a defensive end, how much can Joel Embiid really do? I mean, listen, he can come out firing on all cylinders in the first two games at home. The crowd's behind him, Harden doing his thing. But what I, what, I, what we've seen from the T-Bulls game when Harden stepped on the floor for the first time in a six-year uniform to now, it's just night and day. I mean, we were excited. We were hyped. That Knicks game also the following day, that afternoon game, I mean, Harden's giving you 30-plus give me a 15 assist. I mean, everything was just clicking. And now all of a sudden you turn the tables and you say to yourself, Harden, listen, even if the effort's not there, you know he's not going to give you full effort 24-7. But now the jumper's not falling, the step-back threes, the closer role, you just can't, in my opinion, run late-game situations through a center in a low post. And it's just not going to work. You need to have a guy on the perimeter that can get the ball in his hands and create, even if they get double-teamed because they can kick it out. If you get trapped in the low post, it's tough when you get suffocated down there at Embiid. And I just I'm, listen. I still ex- hope and expect the Sixers to win the series, but I think people need to realize if they don't, don't be surprised because of how well this team is coached for Toronto. Now, will this be a more disappointing loss, series-wise, than it was years ago when they got swept by the Celtics in the first round? I think so, because at that point, you know, Ben Simmons was still playing for the Sixers and he obviously got hurt, you know, didn't expect the Sixers to win that series. I don't think anybody expected them to get swept, but losing the way they did, I know it was the bubble or whatnot. And also, I know they played them prior with the whole Al Horford deal previously in the playoffs, too. But this year, with the expectations the Sixers have after this trade was made at the deadline, um, they they it would be it would be disappointing it would be more disappointing just because the expectations how high they are I mean listen this was a team that was flirting with the one seed for a few weeks there down the stretch now a fourth seed um, even if they get past this team however Tanner I mean I just I don't see where the path is based on what I've seen in the hardened short Sixers era that really can push this team to even a conference finals let alone a championship like, I don't see them getting out of the second round again. Where, where they're at with this. Like the Miami Heat are dangerous. The Toronto Raptors are dangerous. The Celtics and Bucks, I mean, you can make an argument. Those teams are better than the Sixers. And I know we have the best player on the, in the world right now with Joel Embiid. But after that, you know, to the trickle-down effect to our third and fourth best player, I mean, Tobias Harris, he just, he just, he hasn't given us enough. You know that. And I think with Harden being here, you know, some of the flack has been taken off him a little bit, but shouldn't be. It's crazy because the supporting cast should not have to do much because they have the best player in the league, arguably the best player in the league. He's definitely our best player in the league. Right. Um, with Joel Embiid since April 3rd, 44 
45, 30, 41 on April 9th. And this is a big man who puts up about six threes a game with and he doesn't average that, but he did a couple games ago. Yeah. He made 50% of those. I mean, his game is so it spreads out throughout the court. It's something that I've never seen before. Definitely. But talking about the supporting cast, we talk about Tobias Harris every season. It's the same story with him. He needs to step up, do more. What will it take for James Harden to come back to the Sixers, sign that contract? What will it take for the Sixers to give him that contract? And what will it take for the fan base to be sold on his production moving forward? Well, I just want to start by saying I don't think he, the Sixers should give him that contract. I mean, based on okay. him being 32, about to be 33 years old right now, the wear and tear on his body. I mean, talking about signing the guy to a five-year contract worth what, around over $200 million. I mean, there's just no way I'm doing that, regardless of what this team does this season. Um, I think if they win a championship, which, I mean, out of the blue, which I don't expect them to do, then you have that conversation and Harden looks like the real deal. And all of a sudden he's saying, hey, I was lackluster in the regular season on purpose. I was just waiting for the playoffs to turn it up. I've heard those rumors. I just don't see how that could be true, but people are saying it could be. Um, but no, I think what the Harden's going to have to do in order to get the contract, in my opinion, is get to the NBA Finals. I think the Sixers have to get to the NBA Finals because that can prove they can beat the Raptors, then possibly the Heat, and also the Bucks or whatnot going through a couple of big-time gauntlet matches against those powerhouse teams. And if they fall in the NBA Finals and make it a competitive series, then I say, you know what, Harden, if you played well, then, then he earned it. You know, I, I know people want to say the Sixers got to win a final, or some people want to say the Sixers need to win a finals. But the fact of the matter is the Suns are just on a different level right now. I mean, the, the team barely lost double-digit games this year, um, and, and they look like they're going to walk to the finals again out west. question is who they're going to match up with. But right now where I stand, I don't know how you feel, but I just feel like Harden, I don't know if I can bring him back. Even though we gave up Simmons and whatnot for him, I think it would be you know making a second mistake signing in that contract when you have guys like Bradley Beal possibly available. Yeah, I don't know about that max contract. Maybe if they can work something out um, in the offseason, yeah. I would not give him the max contract. There's going to be other guys who the Sixers could value more, who could help the Sixers make Agreed. it to the finals. And we're talking about a potential coaching change as well. That will be for the betterment of this team. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we can agree with that. Um, and that's going to wrap up our talk for the Phillies and the Sixers. And let's hope both teams come out with a win. As mentioned, Phillies play tonight, Sixers play tomorrow. And thanks for tuning in.